we finally go on a Super Bowl Sunday morning in Las Vegas. Just after 8 o'clock, I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here live same time every Sunday on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. We're coming to you live from Spencer's studio, also known as the Wiz Den, because for going on over two years now, almost two years, not quite two years, right? Almost two years now. The pandemic has forced us out of the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio. So here we are. Joining me on the show, social media director, Spencer, the Wiz Ostrovsky. Nobody beats the Wiz. Nobody beats the Wiz. Uh, that's right. Not only does he have his own studio, but the Wiz has his own theme music as well, and it's well-deserved, trust me on that. Social distancing back in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio is producer Chris Magnum Chapman, who aside from producing a number of shows at Lotus Broadcasting, is the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network. Uh, the show is also streaming live on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. The page is called Out of Line, that's OU. T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Um, and uh, also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. That's at Adeline Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio line, 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. Yeah, What's on Tap is brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp is the company you can turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp, funding America one neighborhood at a time. Now offering $2,500 free to everyone and anyone who qualifies for a home purchase loan in the state of Nevada. The $2,500 can be used for closing costs or to buy down the interest rates. Call 702-964-5720 for further details. On tap, the Golden Knights are on a small break until um, this coming Wednesday. Just a small one, though. They remain in first place in the Pacific Division and looking for two key players to join the team soon. We'll talk about that. The Red and Rebels, one win, one loss last week, and... Uh, They'll be playing again this coming week. Tough road ahead of them. We'll talk about that as well. And the man who made what is known in Super Bowl history as the tackle in the Rams' only Super Bowl win, Mike Jones, will be joining the show to talk about the significance of that tackle and to help us break down Super Bowl 56, which is now only hours away. And we will give you our predictions and our favorite prop bets as well today. That's what's on tap. If you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own, choose a company you can trust, Residential Bank Corp, funding America one neighborhood at a time. And once again, Residential Bank Corp now offering Nevada home buyers $2,500 toward closing costs or to buy down your interest rate. And again, this is for anyone and everyone who qualifies for any home financing purchase program in the state of Nevada. Call 702-964-5720 for further details. So Spence, you got everything working. Spencer had to rig up everything today, man. Super Bowl show. Happy to have everyone around. But um, you know, it's Sunday, man. It's been warm the last couple of days, a little bit chilly today. Perfect Super Bowl weather and uh, being played in California, SoCal Stadium, the first indoor outdoor stadium in history. And uh pretty cool that they're uh, playing it there and um what a game man oh well uh, i just want to say i've been producing an nfl show the entire year and it's just so weird to me that i've literally been since the like the preseason i've been doing a weekly show and producing for it and now that it's super bowl sunday like i don't even know how to feel like i 
Fridays, like I've been filming the show and editing it. And now that it's finally coming to a close, it's just a really strange feeling inside. Well, Spence, let's do it. Let's get right to it and go to nightcap. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Yeah, the puck does start here, and Vegas Golden Knights, 28-17-3 so far on the season. 59 points, 5-3-2 and two in the last 10 games. They lost an ugly one on Wednesday at Calgary, 6-0. A shutout, and Robin Leonard, 27 of 33 shots he saved, but six went in the net. Not what you want from your number one goalie. Mags, anything to be concerned about? I mean, they've got some players coming back we're going to talk about in a minute, but um, six to nothing after a big win at Edmonton. You feel good about this, but Calgary hot on their heels, one of the hottest teams in the NHL right now. Six straight victories, eight and two in their last 10, and that was a pretty ugly loss on Wednesday night. Yeah, I've I've been riding the the Calgary train for for a little bit here because I I think that they're a really good team. They 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 check all the boxes for me. Um, they they've got great goaltending. Jacob Markstrom, one of the maybe most underrated goalies in the game. I mean, he gets the admiration and the respect from his peers, but I'm not so sure he gets it from the fans or the media. Look, they're a good team. Matthew Kachuk, really good. Uh, Johnny Goudreau, one of the one of the best players in the league. I mean, he's electric when he's got the puck on his stick. Uh, you know, sometimes he, he he's so small, you have to be really be amazed. You sit and watch him. Plus, they've got coaching. They've got Stanley Cup pedigree with coach in Daryl Suter. Uh, look, Brian, this is a team that can certainly give the Golden Knights everything they can handle, maybe even more as we saw the other night. I, I will say this. Uh, I'm not going to freak out too much about the scoreline because in the years past, Calgary has not been a friendly place for the Golden Knights, the Saddle Dome has been a house of horrors. Uh, I used the the all the cliches the other day going through the horror flip films to describe the way Calgary as a city has treated the Golden Knights. Um, it's been a slasher film for them when they go up there. Um, they, some of their worst losses in team history have been in the Saddle Dome. But I think this Calgary team is different. They've got a lot of they've always been a gritty team and they've always been a team that will we'll beat you up a little bit, but they've got guys who can put the puck in the net, uh, you know, and 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 for Vegas, I, I do, I I will say that there is a little bit of cause for concern. Obviously, Mark Stone potentially being out for a lengthy period of time. We don't know any details. The team hasn't spoken to the media since the game in Calgary. Um, they, they took some days off. They spent some time uh, on Lake Louise in, in beautiful Banff, Alberta. Um, they haven't spoken to the media since that game, so um, we'll, we'll we'll see what the status on Mark Stone is. But certainly, if Mark Stone is, and there's two ways to look at it. One way is, oh well, now you don't have to worry about making trades because you, you've got the space for Jack Eichel when when he comes uh, when he's ready to play. Which rumors are as soon as Wednesday. I don't know. We'll we'll maybe find out more tomorrow. But Brian, I I think if you don't have Mark Stone for any length of time. I'm not going to say that that adding Jack Eichel is is you know a, a, a nullification of not having Mark Stone because certainly Jack Eichel can can be a game changer, but I think you want both of those guys in the lineup, especially as you're trying to figure out if you're Pete DeBoer, as you're trying to figure out what lines you're going to have 
going into the playoffs. You want to build some cohesion. You want to build some chemistry. And and I think if you don't have Mark Stone on the ice, maybe until the playoffs, that's a really dangerous thing because I don't know if just adding Jack Eichel alone is is enough to make up for losing Mark Stone. Well, Chris, you know, there's there's so much more pieces to that puzzle. We're going to talk about them in one second. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, it, with Mark Stone's injury, Pete DeBoer has kind of alluded to the fact that it might be related to the back injury that kept him out for 29 games earlier in the season. And this could be a long-term thing. As you mentioned, no one's really saying a lot about it. They're tight-lipped. That's kind of the norm. But I think this guy's out for a while. And, Chris, I know what you're saying, but it might actually – be this is going to sound really strange, but a blessing in disguise because when Jack Eichel to bring him out and bring him back and get him to play, and they also got Alec Martinez who's all ready to go as well. Both these guys are in practice; they're both in contract contact drills. I think um, I think Martinez is slated to return probably a little bit before Eichel, but we're talking about weeks, maybe a couple of weeks away, and you all of a sudden have this huge hit that they have to the salary cap. $10.95 million is the hit, and the Golden Knights can't take it. They can't put him on the ice till they fix that. Mark Stone, there is this window and this weird loophole where Mark Stone could go on like a long-term IR till the playoffs. That frees up $9.5 million in the salary cap. That would that gets them within less than a little bit less than two million to make everything work. Actually, less than one one and a half million to make everything work, and they won't have to get rid of any players. They were talking about Chris getting rid of a guy potentially Riley Smith, potentially Dadenoff, even potentially Jonathan Marchessault to get Eichel and Martinez back on the ice together because of that hip, that because of that hit to the salary cap. Now, again, it's not etched in stone. I don't know how the NHL is going to stand up for it because it is kind of a loophole, but it is something I have read and heard is a possibility. And then when you get to the Stanley Cup playoffs, there is no salary cap. So you could bring Mark Stone back with no problem at all and worry about it, you know, worry about the salary cap in the offseason. So that is something to think about um, because it does look like Mark Stone is going to be out for his, his, at least a little while. And again, if it looks like it could be a month and a half situation, maybe that is a possibility. If not, if they're not going to do that, they are probably going to have to move somebody in order to bring those two guys in. So it's going to be interesting to, to see how that pans out. And real quick, wrapping it up, after you know going one-and-one one in Canada, they're currently on this seven-day break right now. They go back to T-Mobile Arena for two big, gigantic games this week. The hottest team in hockey, maybe the best team in hockey, Colorado. Um, they're going to be, I believe uh, – it's, it's at 7 o'clock. They're, they're back at uh, T-Mobile Arena for both those games. Colorado first on Wednesday, and then the L.A. Kings, who have been kind of one of the surprise teams in the league this year, uh, also on the slate this week, both uh, Wednesday and Friday. Chris, two big games coming off that 6 nothing shutout to Calgary. You want to come back, and especially Robin Leonard, who will start one or both of these games, really needs to show some dominance and that he can do the job because 6 nothing is is pretty unacceptable. Yeah, it, it, it certainly is. And, and the, the, the crazy thing is, I, I, I know people always look at Leonard. Uh, he, he seems to always be the scapegoat, which is ridiculous. I mean, there, it, it's it's ridiculous that he's always a scapegoat. But, you know, my, my retort to that is, if Robin Leonard lets in zero goals against the Calgary Flames, do they win that game? 
No, because they didn't score any. So we we can eliminate the it's on Leonard because it's it's ridiculous. But yeah, the, the the game coming up against Colorado, you know, there's two schools of thought to that. One school is the way I go, and that it's it, it's a it's a game that you want to win. Maybe in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't mean anything because you, you, they're not in your division. They're only on the other side of the conference. But this is a team that you could potentially be playing in the Western Conference Final. And if things went, I, don't, I mean, I don't foresee it happening, but maybe even sooner in the playoffs. Uh, it's, it's uh, you know, there, there's some people say, oh, it's not a big deal. The, the, you know, it's Colorado. I, I think it's a, it's a very big game because I think for confidence-wise, you've already beaten them in their building. I think if you beat them again, I think it, it lets your team know, hey, you know what? We're every bit as good as these guys. A fully healthy Colorado Avalanche team, we're every bit as good as them. But the reality is I, I still think Colorado is, is going to have the edge in this one because I'm, I'm going to go back to the Mark Stone thing. I don't think Mark Stone's playing in this game. I don't think he's playing against L.A. And that's a huge loss. Now, if Jack Eichel makes his debut against Colorado, that gives you a little bit of a bump, right? You, you have that, oh, my God, we finally have Jack Eichel in the lineup. We've waited three months for this. It's exciting. Maybe you get a, a little bit of a, of, of a boost from that, and that that would obviously be a good thing. But you're talking about the back to back. L.A. should not be slept on. They're 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 a pretty good team, Brian. I think they're they're in the hunt. I don't know if they're gonna make the playoff, the playoffs because I mean, look, the, the Pacific Division while it's not great, it's tight, and there there's some. I mean, Edmonton is, is kind of there. I don't know if they're going to make the run to make the playoffs, but Anaheim is, is, is in the mix as well. So I, I, I don't know, Brian. The, the Kings game to me is more important than the Colorado game only because it's a it's a it's a divisional game. It's one you you, you kind of have an opportunity to separate yourself a little bit from, from the teams that are chasing you in your division. The Colorado game, yeah, it's a pride thing, and, and it's obviously it's a measuring stick, but I think the L.A. game is a little bit more important than the Colorado game. Yeah, well, and right now, L.A. and Anaheim tied for the seventh and eighth seeds right now in the uh, Western Conference. So right now, they're on the inside looking out, but it is going to be tight. And uh, there's no question, I mean, the Central Division, man, they've just blown up this year. The Avalanche Wild Predators all playing well. The St. Louis Blues are right there as well. Um, and, you know, when you talk about the, the Pacific Division, Calgary only one point behind the Vegas Golden Knights, but... There, there's four game, three games in hand right now. The Knights have played 48 games, and Calgary's played 45. So the Knights need to get to get a little bit of a cushion if they want to maintain first place in the Pacific Division. Real quickly, because I know we're we're gonna have a guest on real soon. Mike Jones will be joining us. Uh, UNLV basketball, 14 and 11 now, six and six in the Mountain West. Uh, lost. They did lose Friday to Boise, 69-63. A close, good game on the road. Again, Bryce Hamilton, man, this guy just continues to go. Off 32 points on Friday night. They won a game that I said was an absolutely must win at Air Force. And they didn't just win that game. They destroyed the Air Force Academy. 78-44, an absolute blowout over a 30-point win. Something you're not used to with UNLV. And Air Force is a gritty team that always hangs in there and plays uh, UNLV in particularly tough. And uh, so to see UNLV win that game, but man, their road in front of them is so tough right now. The remaining schedule is just brutal. They're at Fresno State. Um, on, uh, they're on at Fresno State on Wednesday. Fresno State 16 and 8 on the season. Man, that might be the, one of the last winnable games on the schedule, other than the end of the year at New Mexico. But and then on Saturday they're playing Colorado State at home. Uh, they did beat Colorado State back on the end of January, but 
to sweep that team right now. Colorado State was a ranked team before UNLV got to them, and that's going to be a tough road to haul, and so is the rest of the schedule. So uh, hopefully UNLV will continue to play, but they really look like a one-man show. Spencer, I'll let you quickly uh, uh, talk about this, but um, Bryce Hamilton – this team 100% goes as he goes. I can't even imagine if he went out of this if he went off this team if something happened to him how bad the rebels would be. Well, this is the most important recruiting class I think that Kruger will have. He came, he got hired pretty late from what I remember, so in that process. So this is going to be his summer to really do this. I think there's going to be a lot of transfer portals. I think next year could be really really ugly potentially. So we'll have to see um, like we said, when we talk about every week, this is an average team. This is a one and one week almost every week. It, it, no matter who they play, they'll, they'll you know have a big upset and they'll lose a bad one. And it, it just seems to go vice versa. All right, let's hit it. Facts this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. Fact. In Super Bowl 34, if St. Louis Rams linebacker Mike Jones doesn't tackle Tennessee Titans wide receiver Kevin Dyson on the half-yard line with no time left on the clock, the Rams as a franchise could be 0-4, and Kurt Warner might not be in the Hall of Fame or have a movie made about his life that is in theaters right now. This is the man who made what is known as the tackle as a, he's a Super Bowl 34 champion, Mike Jones, to talk about the game and to help us break down the Super Bowl 30, uh, 56, which is now only hours away. What is going on, Mike Jones? Hey, what's going on, guys? Can you hear me? Can you guys hear me? Uh, now we can. Uh, we can hear you. Can you hear us? Oh, what, what's going oh, on? Hold it. Here we go. Can you hear here me now? Go. Now right. we can hear you. I feel like we're on one of those uh, cellular phone commercials. Can you hear me now? There you go. I, I got. I, I guess I have to be smarter than my equipment. Man, good to see you, Mike. Uh, have you on the show every year, Super Bowl. We break it down with Mike Jones. And uh, the Rams back in the Super Bowl, the last time they were in the Super Bowl, they were in St. Louis for the last – or actually they weren't. They were in L.A. a couple of years ago. But yep. St. Louis, when they won their only uh, – their only championship, Mike, obviously a big part of that. And just to get started, I don't know if you've seen the movie yet, uh, The American Underdog? I have not seen it yet. Uh, I keep saying I'm going to watch it, so I'm going to watch it this week. I'll, I'll make a promise to Kurt and, and that I'll watch the movie this week. You know, speaking of Kurt Warner, I mean, one truly one of the greatest stories in football history, and I think American Arrow, I thought personally thought the movie should be called Out of Nowhere, the Kurt Warner story, because he literally came out of nowhere. You guys were geared up that year. Dick Vermeil, very high on Trent Green, went out, did a lot of things to get him to become a St. Louis Ram, and he gets hurt in the second-to-last preseason game, yeah. and all of a sudden, Kurt Warner, a guy nobody on earth except for maybe Iowa Barnstormer fans had ever heard of, and this guy comes in, and I was at, Mike, I was at, and we've talked about it before, the very first game is coming out party was yep. really at the Pontiac Silverdome when the Lions played the Rams in that final <laughs> preseason game, and I see yep. Kurt Warner throw for like 186 yards, this really nice dime that he threw to Anquan Bolden, but I said, you know what, it's against the Detroit Lions. You know, mm. come on, I, you can't really gauge anything in this game. But then he comes out, does what he does, you guys go to the Super Bowl and win it. I mean, looking back at that now, you say Cinderella's story out of nowhere. Yeah. Just you, you got to be shaking your head. That was just an incredible season. It was, you know, and and the stories. It's amazing because when you're in the middle of it, 
you miss all the stories that everyone else hears that you don't hear. It, it, I, I have to, when you talk about Trent Green, it's, it's so ironic. I don't know if you heard a story about when Trent, when the Rams signed Trent Green. Coach Ramil was going to meet him for dinner. And they, they, you know, they, bring, they bring the guy in. And Coach Ramil is known to be 30 minutes early. I mean, he's always early at everything. So Trent gets there and the general manager get there. No Vermeil. Their dinner's at 6. He's not there at 545. He's not there at 6. He's not there at 615. So everyone's like, okay, well, they, they're like, well, what happened? At 630, Coach Ramil walks in, and he's, like, dusted up. It looks like he's been in a fight. And he sits down, and everyone just kind of – they look at him and say, what happened? He said, I got rear-ended on the way down here. And he did not go to the hospital. He's telling him he has a, a meeting with a very important free agent, and he doesn't go to the hospital. He meets Trent at the restaurant. Of course, they sign him and everything else. But it's just – I mean, and I just heard the story this year. So, I mean, I'm 22 years removed from it, and I'm just hearing about a story about trying to try, sign Trent Green, and Coach Ramil comes in like he well, – not like. He did have a car accident. He's all bruised up, and he still shows up to the den. You know, it's unreal. Dick Vermeil. you know, I've heard nothing but great things about Dick Vermeil, And, of course, yeah. years ago he goes to the Eagles, yeah. uh, gets off to a tough start. You know, now the second movie, not made about Dick Vermeil, but that Dick Vermeil plays a role into, so to speak, not yeah. himself, but an actor that portrays him. First in um, Invincible, where yeah. he was with the Eagles, and you see Dick Vermeil take a chance on a, on a local guy from Philadelphia who never played college football. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and and just an incredible story. And then, of course, Kurt Warner to have the wherewithal or the sight to see, hey, this guy's good enough to be a backup in the NFL. Let's give him a chance. Let's sign him. Let's get him on the team. And wow, what a move that turned out to be. Talk about somebody that is blessed, man. Dick Vermeil is a blessed man, but deservedly so. What is it like? What kind of guy is Dick Vermeil? And what was it like playing for him? You know what? Coach Vermeil is the epitome of. He believes in the unsung hero. And, and if you look at all the guys that he's coached, um, the, the guy from Invincible, uh, Kurt Warner, and we can we can name, I can name four guys that's off our team. London Fletcher was undrafted free agent. You know, DeMarco Ford became all pro on that team. Kevin Carter, who was a was a top, uh, was uh, I think he was a first first round draft pick for the St. Louis Rams. He was he was playing good. But he they took he took him to the level where he was the best defensive lineman in in the NFL that year. You know, Ty Light, who was a first round draft pick, that he got him to play well. I mean, we can go on and on about the guys that were free agents that he turned around. Then you go to Kansas City with Priest Holmes and Danny Hughes and all those different guys. So you see, you see, Coach Vermeil does a tremendous job not only of drafting guys because he does well in the first. I'm not going to say he doesn't do well in the first round. The first round draft picks Tory Holt. Uh, Grant Wistrom, Orlando Pace, you know, yes, a lot of teams get first-round draft picks, and some do okay, some do really good. You're talking about three, two out of three guys that are possibly going to be in the Hall of Fame that he drafted just with the St. Louis Rams in the first round. That's in the out of ballpark, and that's what he does. He does a great job of getting the best out of whatever level you come in at. He gets you to the best that you can possibly be. 
Uh, and Kurt Warner, what a prime example about that. Exceeding yep. by a mile the best he could possibly be, probably in everyone's eyes, except for maybe Kurt Warner and possibly Dick Vermeil. Uh, yep. Incredible story. Real quick, Mike, and I have to ask you, I'm poking a little fun out there, but, you know, I, I watched Kurt Warner's induction speech into the Hall of Fame, and I, I thought that was really cool. Uh, you know, there was no question he was getting in, especially, you know, winning those two games with the Rams late, you know, what would be in most people's late mid to late careers when he started his career in the NFL three Super Bowls and then of course you know he was supposed to be the backup teaching Matt Leinart how to play the position in Arizona instead he takes over and takes him to another takes him to their one and only Super Bowl to this day and nearly beats the Steelers if it's not for a unbelievable back of the end zone catch um, by Santonio Holmes uh, Arizona possibly wins that game but I just have to ask you Mike because in his Super Bowl speech I and I want to see the movie but I don't ever remember him saying Thank you flat out, straight out to Mike Jones. Because, again, the bottom line is that tackle isn't made. Tennessee ties the football game. They tie the game. Who knows what happens? And I say to everyone, based on statistics and numbers, yes, the percentages are good, but the overall numbers are okay because he just didn't play that long. If he doesn't win that Super Bowl, Mike, you know, even though he played in three others, if you're 0-3, you don't have a really long career, the Hall of Fame is something for the best of the best. He might not get in. So I always said he ought to thank you every time <laughs> he mentions it. Hey, you know, I'm in the Hall of Fame partly because of Mike Jones. Yeah. You know what? Well, I'll say this. I have to thank Kurt because he had to throw that ball to Isaac to get us to up ahead. So we're, we're connected at the hip, <laughs> so to speak. And, you know, I'm I'm glad we I could be part of it. Like I said, Kurt, you know what? And the thing about Kurt is everyone talks about how good of a guy he is. And without a doubt, he's better in person than what everyone hears about. So it's, it's, a, it's a testament to have good people that end up doing great that get recognized. And in this world, we don't have that a lot. You know, you don't see a lot of people that, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. You know, you, you hear that all the time. Well, you, you're talking about a guy that, that's a good family guy, you know, that, you know, think about this. He had a, a he married him and his wife, and she, Brenda's a tremendous lady. But just think of the hardships they went through as a family to stick together and see a story such as Kurt Warner. I mean, if, again, if you if you made up a story, if you wrote a book, you were like, man, there's no way possible this stuff happened to this guy. But, you know, you lived it, we breathed it, and we see it. And, you know, congratulations to him being a Hall of Famer and Coach Vermeil, and hopefully we can get Tori in there uh, next year. You know, you said it great when, especially when it comes to Kurt Warner. Uh, you know, this guy is the real deal, and I think that 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 is something that that can't be overstated. Good things you hear, good things happen to Kurt or to good people, and Kurt Warner's good people, and some really good things happen to him. And you're right, he's a hero on and off the football field in real life to what he's done with his family and just in life in general to hang in there, have the perseverance and the endurance and belief in yourself, which Kurt. Warner had all of those things and then to turn out to be a natural leader and do what he did is pretty incredible. Mike, fast forwarding now ahead of the time, you look and there's another guy that wants to become an unsung hero. Another guy that I say, if he wins this Super Bowl and maybe makes it to one more, maybe he doesn't even need to make it to one more because he's the all-time winningest quarterback in in Detroit Lions history. I'm I'm wearing a Lions jersey being from Detroit. I don't know how much that means to be the all-time winningest quarterback for a team that's won one playoff game in 
Super Bowl history, uh, and then they, they have never even sniffed the Super Bowl. But still, right. to be the all-time leader, the guy is like in the top ten passing yards, top ten touchdowns, and now he has a chance for his defining moment. Three playoff victories, matched his playoff total. He'd been to three playoff games in his career, lost them all. Um, you know, what, breaking down this game, how important is Matthew Stafford to this game and to this team? Because really, we know the story. Defense wins championships, and games are won and lost in the trenches. Those two things can really weigh, weight the scales on the Los Angeles Rams side. Their defense is one of the best in the league, and in the trenches, does it get much better than Aaron Donald when you're talking about the trenches? Probably not. But how important is Matthew Stafford to the success of this team? Matthew Stafford is critical to the success of uh, the Los Angeles Rams. And I'm going to say that because, this is be candid, they lost confidence in golf. And when you have a quarterback that you lose confidence in and a league is driven by quarterbacks, you have to have someone, even if the guy, and Matt Stafford is not this guy, but even if the guy isn't very good, if your teammates believe in you, you can will some wins in there. And with the defense that the Rams has, well, the front, the front four, or is, excuse me, the front five is phenomenal. You know, and then they got a back, the back end that's, that's very good. You know, so defensively, when you can believe the quarterback is not only going, not it's not going to lose the game for you, first of all. And then the second thing is, can he help us win? Well, Matt Stafford can most definitely do that. You know, so in, in, in the way that, that McVay has set this team up where you have, you know, a running game that can complement what he does. You know, you have all the complementary pieces and then you have a guy that you believe in. And that, and that, that belief, that faith in the guys and what in that quarterback position that gets them over the top. Defensively, this team, you know, you hear constantly a statement that, you know, it's hard to swallow a statement when you say this is the best player in football right now and you're talking about a defensive edge rusher. We all know how important those are. And yeah. Aaron Donald has absolutely, if you don't double-team the guy, you're probably going to lose. Yeah. Uh, and then you look, and I look at the next echelon of guys like the, Boses, the Bosa brothers, how good they are. Yeah. Um, a guy like T.J. Watt that's really come out of the scene as an edge rusher. And even he here in Las Vegas, a fourth-round draft pick out of Eastern Michigan, Max Crosby, has yep. become a pretty good football player. But Aaron Donald leads the pack. He is a guy that you, they say you can't leave alone. And I've been saying, Mike, I've, I've been on a few sh different shows this week, and on every one of them I said, here's the deal. Did you watch the Tennessee game? Because cumulatively, I think they're the best front four in the NFL. None of yep. them are the best at their position, but cumulatively mm -hmm. the best front four. But in Los Angeles, you have – a, an NFL two-time MVP. You've got a former Super Bowl MVP in Vaughn Miller when only, I think, 10 defensive players have won Super Bowl MVPs in history. Yep. Man, and Vaughn Miller, again, getting rejuvenated and says he wants to win this Super Bowl for Aaron Donald. They've kind of embraced this and want Aaron Donald to win one. But with those two guys, I keep saying, Mike, if 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 uh, Joe Burrow gets sacked nine times like he did in the Senate Tennessee game by Aaron Donald and Vaughn Miller, the second half of the game, he's going to be playing from Los Angeles Memorial Hospital, not yeah. from the, the not from the stadium. I mean, they are that good, and you know, Cincinnati's offensive line has been criticized all year. Fifty-three sacks allowed, third worst in the game. Battle one in the trenches. How important is it for this line to find a way to to stop the the onslaught of the of the pass rush of the Los Angeles Rams? It's going to be critical. I, I think. Though Cincinnati, no one's get, taking the fact that 
their their head coach used to be with the Rams. So he understands some of those guys. So you you can best believe he was in he was in, he's with the Rams with McVay. He understands what he wants to try and accomplish. So some of the things that that granted, Aaron Donald is the best football player in in, in the NFL. Matter of fact, he's a, I'm gonna say this: he's the best football player on 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 this planet right now. So when he when he wants to get to someone, it's gonna be hard to stop him. But in the same sense, by knowing those schemes, you can also help a guy and get rid of the ball quicker, run the ball. So they're gonna have some they're gonna have some things to counter Aaron Donald. Are they gonna stop him? No. But there are gonna be some things that can help them, and, and they understand them a lot better than people realize. Yeah, no, I, I I agree, and I think that you know Zach Taylor having that knowledge of the mind of Sean McVay is huge because the mind of Sean McVay, I think in the last Super Bowl, he maybe overcoached a bit, tried to do maybe too much, but a mm-hmm. guy like him, very ingenuitive, and his mind is going to figure out, you know what, I overcoached last time, let's not make the same mistake twice, and he doesn't seem like a guy mm-hmm. that is going to make the same mistake twice, but for me, and I want your thought on this, for Cincinnati to win this game, you know, Joe Burrow, I think, is going to have to use something that is very effective in the Cincinnati game. And the Rams, if you know, you look for a weakness, a chink in the armor of this Rams defense, there isn't one. But if I find anything that may be a way to make them a little bit vulnerable, obviously it's to open up the passing game with the running game and Joe Mixon have a big game. But I think the screen game, for them to use screens, play action screens, perimeter screens, because that's the one thing that seems, if you go back and you look at the Rams this season, they have been a bit vulnerable against the screen with good running backs, and Cincinnati has that. Right, exactly. You know, the thing is, you have to do different things to slow down that that front that front five. And part of it is a screen game, part of it is a running game, part of it is a play action game. You know, so and they have the guys that can do that because I mean, you, you, they have a, two tremendous wide receivers, they have a very good run, running back, and they run a, they do a great job with the screen game. So they can mix some things up to slow these guys down. Now that that sounds great, but you have to score points. Now they got they have some big time playmakers. So that screen game, you know, if he gets past that first level, that chase kid. You know, it, it, he, he can make things real interesting, you know. So I'm, I'm just interested to see the dynamics of how they the, – the, the cat and mouse, the, the, the way they're going to design how to stop each other. That's going to be phenomenal how they do it. Because, you know, you watch, you know, film of, you know, when they played in Kansas City, and Kansas City did a great job the first half, and then Cincinnati did a phenomenal job the second half. You know, then you look at how the, how the 49ers play, played the um, – the Rams, they do a great job, but they know them well. I mean, they, they play them twice a year. So one to one off, can how it's going to happen for both teams? It's going to be a great uh, chess game between the two head coaches. I agree a hundred percent. Mikey brought up a good thing. The second half, Cincinnati has proven. Do not sleep on us in the second half, or we will make you pay. Do you know that this season, including postseason, they have outscored their opponents by 74 points in the second half. Excuse me, in the third quarter alone in the second half. This team is is built for the second half. They don't get down. Zach Taylor must be one of the greatest halftime speakers in in the (laughs) NFL because this team, it just comes out. They don't give up. I also, obviously, that is the heart of their captain, Joe. 
Joe Burrow, who only yep. in his second season could do something miraculous, become the only first-round draft pick quarterback to ever win the Super Bowl in his second season. Uh, wow. It's pretty amazing what this guy is doing. But if you're right now Cincinnati, you know, we're talking about the Cincinnati offense, how dynamic they are, no question. Their, their second receiver, T. Higgins, would be the number one on probably three-quarters of the league teams in the NFL, and he's yep. number two because Jamar Chase is one of the best players in the NFL, and he's only a rookie. So the skill positions, there are no question. Joe Mixon, although a distant second behind Jonathan Taylor this year in rushing, still was number two in the league. Obviously, you know, Derrick Henry hurt all year, but still, Joe Mixon's the real deal. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. P. Ryan is another one. This guy is tremendous in the passing game. Don't sleep on him either, but it's what about Cincinnati's defense? Right now, Mike, if you're on the defense of Cincinnati, now you're a linebacker, what are you preparing for? Because I'll tell you this right now, I've been saying this, you know, all week as well, that the bottom line is, is that defense really needs to get to the quarterback and they've got to find a way not just to get to him, but to slow everything down. And it starts with that front, Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard, uh, DJ Reader, and BJ Hill. They have got to probably cumulatively have one of the best games of their career this year to keep the Rams in check because yep. the Rams are going to come at you with a three-headed monster now having Henderson back. you got Cam Akers and Sony yep. Michelle, So they're going to really try to run the ball using all of them. And then you've got the best receiver in the game this year, Cooper Cup. Well, I think it's two things. First and second down are going to be critical for Cincinnati. And the reason why I say that, first down and second down are going to be run, play, action, downs. So as a linebacker, you have got to get your keys on run, pass, read. The Rams do a great job of making run and run and play action look the same. So what does that mean for as an inside linebacker? Well, I have to get downhill on runs stop to stop a run for two yards. But I also have to recognize when they run play action pass, I have to get underneath these wide receivers that run those 10 to 15 yard dig routes. So I don't have to necessarily be on them, but if I can reroute him or make the ball thrown a little higher, a little left, a little further right, now their timing is off. Now I got them in third down. Now I can now I can do some different things that I want to do. But first and second down, they have to get them, and I say first and second down because everyone says stop the run first down. Well, second down is just important because now the Rams do a phenomenal job on second down of running those 15-yard digs, those post routes, those comeback routes. And you got to have your linebackers underneath to, to help the defensive backs in rerouting the throw so that allow the DB to break on the ball. Like, you think about it, when, when Cincinnati got the interception against the Chiefs, the underneath guy actually was the guy that caused the interception. It wasn't the guy over the top. So he made, he made them throw a, a ball that he couldn't handle. And the ball's picked off. That's the things they have to do in order for them to win. I I agree with you 100. percent They've got to get you know you've got they've got to be disruptive and put put the Rams in third and long positions. Even though yes they have Cooper Cup, they have Odell Beckham. You know regardless of those two things, Matthew Stafford under duress. We have seen that is where Matthew Stafford makes his mistakes. And Sean McVay realized with Jared Goff that the running game wasn't going to win them a Super Bowl. They had to go out and get a quarterback that could make some noise in the passing game. But the one thing about Matthew Stafford, uh, Mike, and I've watched him his entire career in Detroit. The one thing is Matthew Stafford will throw that untimely bad pass. He yeah. did it in San, he did it against the 49ers and if yeah. that ball's picked off right now, you and I are having a conversation about the 49ers and the Cincinnati Bengals. Right. Right. That that can't happen in this game but we almost 
surely at some point in time, Matthew Stafford will throw one or two bad passes. How crucial is it for him to be a good game manager today? Because I said, Matthew Stafford isn't like, and I don't mean to rip on old quarterbacks that won Super Bowls like Trent Dilfer and Brad Johnson, but they won Super Bowls because they had tremendous defenses and they were veterans that managed the game and didn't try to win it themselves. Now, Mm -hmm. Matthew Stafford's a guy that is capable of winning a football game, but he's also a guy that's capable of throwing it away as well. Well, you know what, and and no no knock on great defenses, but both of these offenses are very good. So the likelihood of you seeing a seventeen to ten or or a thirteen to three game like the Rams had uh, in the Super Bowl three years ago is highly unlikely. You're going to need you know twenty plus points on both sides of the ball, on both teams to win the game. I I, I see a twenty seven. 24 or something like that game or even more than that i think both offenses are going to uh, are too dynamic they have both teams have great wide receivers and they both have great running backs so now and they have great callers of plays so these guys know how to set their guys up to score points the the the, the thing's going to be the difference again is who is the guy that doesn't make the bad throw or we don't get a bad fumble. And th- and those are two things that Cincinnati's done a phenomenal job with. And the Rams, they do a great job in the first quarter, first first half. And then the second half, they have they sometimes struggle with that. So th- and it's ironic cuz the game that they won, they had to flip it against the 49ers. The 49ers game, they were behind and they had to figure out how to turn the ball over and they did. So I, I it's going to be a great like I said chess match between two head coaches that do a phenomenal job with their guys. You're going to see some great football because you're going to see some great football players playing today. All right, Mike, a couple of questions I'm going to throw at you now. Now we're, we're, we're to the game itself, and mm-hmm. you've got the Rams favored four, four and a half. You got this guy, Mattress Mike. I don't know if you heard about him, one of the biggest gamblers, over nine and a half million dollars on the Cincinnati Bengals. And, you know, everyone talking to me is, you know, and I'm sure you're getting the same thing being in the know. You know, why, you know, somebody's got to know something. If you're putting nine and a half million dollars on a, on a football game on a team with like five million of it, I believe, on the money line of Cincinnati, you figure the guy knows something. Something. But in the same respect, you know, I'm scratching my head and said, I don't know what he knows, but I'm just going to go by what I've seen. And in my, you know, and I'll make my prediction a little bit, but I want to hear your prediction of how you think this game will go. Try not to be a homer for the Rams because I know it's hard, like me, when Michigan State plays in a game or the Lions, you know, I, I tend to get that homer in me. But realistically, Mike, Break down this game for me as far as what you think is going to happen. You already said you think it's going to be a high-scoring game, probably over the 48.5 points that's on the board. But who wins this game, why, and what's? And you already gave us your final score, so you said the Rams are going to cover. Um, but but break it down for me why that's going to happen and, uh, and your, your overall take on the game. Uh, where I'm worried at, I'm going to be honest with you, are the big guys. The, those, it's going to be almost 90 degrees out there, and neither team. You can say what you want about team being in L.A. It's not 90 degrees every day out in L.A. So the the big guys, I think it's going to be a struggle. I mean, it's going to be a, a, a thing where your whoever handles that heat best will win the game. And and Cincinnati coming from 19 and 20 degree weather and then jumping into a 90 degree hot box, it's going to be tough, you know, uh, but in the same sense, these guys are so confident. Cincinnati, when you watch them, 
it's borderline arrogance that you look at them like these guys are so young but they don't know what they don't know so think about when you're 23 24 years old you knew everything no one could tell you anything and that's the way they're playing football and that's that's the only reason i'm saying and then you brought up a great point 73 points in the third quarter their halftime adjustments have been phenomenal and i don't think that's going to change so i mean i i yeah, am i a homer for the rams absolutely but when you look at it and you playing and you playing at home, you got best the best football player in the NFL. You got uh, a quarterback that can get the ball and you can run the ball. I'm a, I'm gonna go with the Rams, but I know it's gonna be tight. It's gonna be down to the wire. I think it's gonna be somewhere around 31, 27. You know, and it's gonna it's gonna come down to the last drive. Like all the games have come. If you think about it, the last two six games have come down to the last, to the last um excuse me last four games have come down to the last drive yeah, you're right. And when you talk about the Bengals, you're 100% right. The youth of that team, sometimes ignorance truly is bliss. And not knowing, you know, that the, the moment that they're in and that, that how unique this is to have a rookie wide receiver and a second-year quarterback in this position is practically unheard of. And especially the way they've done it. Like you said, they don't believe they can't come back and win. And we saw that clearly exemplary against one of the best, if not the best franchise in the NFL the last couple of years in Kansas, the Kansas City Chiefs, and they came back from an 18-point half-time deficit to beat them, which was truly remarkable. So we will see when it comes to that. As far as the player of the game, who are you looking at? And, and again, I'm going to talk about prop bets with Spencer and stuff after we let you go, but I want to know who you're looking at as to be the key impact player. You know, it can be Aaron Donald, it can be anyone you know, and who gets the who gets the game MVP award? Um, I'm uh, I'm gonna give you two of them. It, it's gonna be I, I'm assuming Cooper Cup on offense, and 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 I'm gonna tell you why not Matthew Stafford. Everyone, Cooper Cup is a phenomenal wide receiver, but now it's to the point now it's people are thinking. Cooper Cup made Matthew Stafford. So now everyone's going to be saying, well, Matthew might throw for 300 yards, but Cooper Cup has 100 and some yards receiving. They're going to say it's Cooper Cup, not Matthew Stafford. So that's why that's why I say Cooper Cup. As far as on, on and then vice versa on Cincinnati, Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe Burrow is, you know, he, he can't do any wrong. You know, he's the leader. He He's fearless. He's all these different things. So the narrative's already been placed for the quarterback on Cincinnati and the wide receiver on on uh, the Rams to be set. And then the last but not least with Aaron Donald. I mean, if Aaron Donald plays like everyone thinks he's going to play, then without a doubt, he's going to be defensive play. He's going to be the player of the game because you're going to probably see three sacks, some phenomenal plays. So I would go Aaron Donald, then Cooper Cup, and then uh, Joe Burrow. I like it. I, I When we talk about prop picks, I'll give mine away right now. It's Aaron Donald, and, I'll, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. And as far as what you said to, about Joe Burrow, no question about it. Hey, Joe Montana will always be Joe Cool, yep. but – Aaron Donald is Joe the man. I mean, yep. the, the the guy is just uh, the, the the best Joe I've seen since Joe Montana. Let's put it that way. He is pretty incredible. Should be a hell of a game um, out at SoFi Stadium this afternoon. Um, and and Mike, the last thing I'll ask you: you talked about the last six games. I got to ask you, and you know, lifetime. We're 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 fairly close in age. In my yep. lifetime, 
I have never seen a better divisional round of playoffs followed by two of the best conference championship games ever. Have you ever seen six games in the playoffs like we've just seen in the past three weeks here? I have not. And I, and I, and I, and at first I was against the seven teams, but without a doubt now, those seven teams in the playoffs have made the playoffs better because it makes teams typically want to buy. And, and you know, like I said, when you're an older team, you need that extra week. But in all honesty, I would rather keep playing because I'm, I'm the guy into a groove. Most of the playoff teams have been winning in December. So why would I want to stop playing unless I have some serious injuries? I want to keep playing because the more I play, the better I get. And if you look at the way the games were played, and these were good football games. It wasn't sloppy, nine good football games. These were, these were very good football games because everyone was playing. And then on top of that, and, I'm, and I didn't think 17 games would work, but 17 games actually played a major factor in everyone playing well because you had Derrick Henry, for example. When he, when he got hurt early in the season, he wouldn't have been back for the playoffs in a regular season. But adding that extra week allowed them to get an extra week to get him back for the playoffs. And, I, and I'm going to go one step further and say this. I would suggest the NFL go to two bye weeks and then work on the opportunity of not getting putting guys on injured reserve. Give them the old three or four uh, weeks and then bring them back or something like that because the game needs their good players to play all the time and having injured reserve guys that could possibly play in the playoffs is a, not only a detriment to the team, meant to the NFL. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, why not have an extra bye week? You want to see the best of the best play in the biggest game in the world. I mean, there's nothing bigger than the Super Bowl, the most watched single sporting event in the world. And you do want to see your best players out there. Not, you know, not not guys, as you said, off the practice squad or getting signed. You know, like, like I mean, it, it was cool to see the Rams go out and get Tim Weddle again. I, 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 I enjoy Eric Weddle, excuse me, to get him again. And, and he's playing well, and I enjoy seeing that. But um, I would like to see the teams at full strength and see the best players play. And, you know, a lot of times I enjoy going to Super Bowl parties. And I'll say it right now. I'm going with a friend of mine. We're going over to Jose Canseco's house here in uh, in Las Vegas to watch the Super Bowl today. But mm -hmm. but the point is, it's normally I don't. I don't mind. I like going to Super Bowl events and hosting them. This year, I kind of want to just be stuck in front of a television set. I want to watch the game. I don't need chips. I don't need anything else in front of me. Just the TV and let me watch this game because I truly think it's going to be a classic. The last six games have gone down to the wire. Why not the biggest game in history go down to the wire? Like the game that I saw at the Georgia Dome back in 2000, Super Bowl 34, when Mike Jones made a great tackle and I was there. I'll never forget it. Uh, enjoyed it. Mike, always Always a pleasure to have you on the show. A play that will live in infamy long, but long after you and I are gone, they'll still be talking about the tackle and Mike Jones. We appreciate you, my friend. Thank you, Brian. One last thing. I know we're our 25th anniversary is going to be in a couple years. So we I know we tried to work it out before. We, we probably need to start working on it now so I know I can get it done. But I think it'll be a great opportunity for us. You know, I don't know what Super Bowl is going to be in New Orleans on the year we have our 25th anniversary. So New Orleans or, or Las Vegas, I'm going to pick Las Vegas. 
uh, Mike, I want we, we need you out here. We need you live on the show one time, and I'll make sure that you're, we're in a really good remote live location again. Hopefully this pandemic will calm down so we can get there. I mean, I've been in beautiful studios recently, but I miss the Fox Sports Residential Bancorp studio where we've gotten to do the show for all these years since we started back in 2012. And for the past two years, we're, we're journeymen because that's the world that we live in right now. Mike Jones, again, a guy that's going to live in infamy. The Mike Jones, not the rapper, the guy that made the tackle. <laughs> And we appreciate you, my friend. Thanks again. Uh, thank you, guys. And that was Mike Jones. Spencer, um, you know, as we get into this game, we, we break it down. It is uh, – I, I am so excited about this game. And I'm just going to say right now, I'm not going to – no more hesitation. I like the Rams. Um, I like the Rams giving up either four or four and a half. I don't care. I want to – I like them because, again, there are two – of the oldest cliche in cliches in sports. And I said it earlier with Mike on the show. I'll repeat it again. Now defense wins championships. And when it comes to football, it has always been said the game is won and lost in the trenches. When I take those two things into consideration, the Los Angeles Rams are without question, head and shoulders above Cincinnati. And as good as the skilled players are on that Cincinnati team. I mean, you talk about maybe the best wide receiver trio in the league, Joe Mixon, top three to four running backs in the NFL. And now Uzoma, who is going to be cleared to play in this game, uh, easily easily getting himself into the upper echelon of tight ends in this game. A huge part of that Cincinnati offense this year. And I look for him to step up and become uh, Travis Kelsey, Greg Kittle, Mark Andrews type of wide receiver in the future. Big guy, good hands good technique, and he's also a good blocker. But all that being said, and then Joe Burrow, obviously, goes without saying what he's done. But all that being said, Spencer, I've got to say that uh, the Rams' defense, I just think, is too much. Tennessee's defense was too much, and they overcame that. I don't think you overcome the Los Angeles Rams with the defense they have unless they can play better than they did in Tennessee and better than they did in Kansas City. And the thing is, I think they played as good as they can in both those games. So how do they play better? Well, you know, I, I agree with you. And I think everybody wants to see good football because that's what we all want every year. But uh, you, you pretty much hit it right on the you know the nail in the coffin there. When, you, when I talked about like the Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, one of that to be a great game, but they dominated the offensive line. And I think that's what's going to happen again. I love the Rams in this game. I love them. That's it. We're out of time. I just want to tell you my prop pick. I like plus 1,600 taking uh, MVP Aaron Donald. Why not? It's plus 1,600. We're out of time. We'll see you next Sunday. Super Bowl in a couple hours. Out of line. Thanks to Spencer. Thanks to Mike Jones. And thanks to Magnum back in studio. Bye-bye.